Hey everybody, welcome back. <laughs> it's been a long time for me to say this, but welcome back to the Game Source podcast. I know everybody thought it was dead, but it's alive. It's alive. It is the Game Source podcast. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. And I'm here with my good friend. He is also from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, but also Humanica Media as well. It's my good friend. It's Josh Peterson. It's alive, man. It's alive. Correct. We uh, plugged some jumper cables into it, uh, rigged a shoddy electrical thing to the ceiling, waiting for some some lightning and thunder to come down, and uh, boom, Game Source is back. Just uh, stay tuned for the chasing of the monster to the windmill, which will be on next week's episode. <laughs> Well, it just came to the point where there was so much going on in the world of video games that we needed to bring back a a video game centralized podcast. That's not going to say that we're not going to be talking about video games on any of the humanic media stuff or also as well anything in pop culture cosmos or the PCC multiverse. It's just that there was such a need for, for what's going on in the video game world. We have to share our thoughts on it. But there's going to be a lot we're going to talk about. We're going to be comparing NASCAR old to NASCAR new. We're going to have reviews of Darwin Theory, Omen Sight, and Conan Exiles. We're going to talk about Spider-Man coming soon on the PS4. And Neil Blomkamp, he's talking about getting into the video game world as well. But first, Josh, I want to talk to you about all the love that's continued to be given to Sonic the Hedgehog. It's it's the middle of Comic-Con, man, and guess what? More Sonic the Hedgehog is being announced. Not only is Sonic the Hedgehog coming to a comic book store near you with a new comic book series, not only is it coming to theaters in the not-too-distant future with a movie already, Jim Carrey is already being attached as Dr. Robotnik, but also more revised versions of the original game series. They're coming to a new platform in the Nintendo Switch. With all this love out there that seemingly is apparent for Sonic the Hedgehog, I ask you, my friend, is there enough love out there to support it? Or is it just a continual line, as we've seen over the years, of Sega just bleeding this Sonic the Hedgehog dry? I think it could go any number of ways because right now Sonic is at a point where people are digging the nostalgia. You remember how stoked uh, they were when Sega got up at their conference earlier this year and announced that there would be a Sega Mini coming out. Uh, they didn't make any announcements about North America, but Sonic Mania sold relatively well. Was it? Yeah, that was Sonic Mania came out. And I know they, they just released, started releasing physical copies today um, or this week sometime, if I remember correctly. But anyways... Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of love for it. I know like their attempts to bring it into the 3D space, like they did with, wasn't as successful as Mario, and I think that it kind of wasn't successful at all. And apparently, according to our top 100 list, people really like Shadow of the Hedgehog. So I think there's a formula in there that they just need to find. But I think until they do find that, they need to hold off on like these big things, like making it a feature film, doing all these other things with it, because. While you do want it to be something big, you don't want a movie to come out and have people be like, you know, that was really stupid. And then it just turns them off of Sonic altogether. Where, where are you standing on this? I have never been a big fan of the game series. I thought it was all right back in the 90s, but 
20 some odd years later, man, I'm still seeing versions and iterations of Sonic still come out. I've had my fill. I've had my fill a long time ago. And I understand these entertaining new audiences now. I know my daughters love every now and then to play a Sonic game and, and get involved in that. But to me, it's just like, uh, I think, you know, he belongs in a time way back when, when uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was a creative platformer and was something different. But now a lot of things have been done in that type of realm that we've seen other games do better than anything that's been done in the Sonic series. There's only so much now that, that Sonic can do that can be different that I think will keep audiences interested in the product. And making a movie is not one of them. Revising a comic book series is not one of them. Maybe just going, concentrating fully on revising the old versions and putting them out, like, like, like I said, on new platforms such as the Nintendo Switch and focusing more on the mobile versions so that they're always ready with newer and newer versions of Sonic on your phone or your tablet. That might be where they should keep their focus on and rely upon rather than trying all these other things that for someone like me who isn't really that much into the Sonic franchise in the first place makes it even less interesting than before. See, I grew up on Sonic, so I, I always have a soft spot, and I always hope. That's why I don't want them to make a movie, because I would like to see something. Like, I always imagined it would be fun to play a game where Sonic kind of had not, I don't want to say open world, but an open type level system, like in uh, Super Mario. You know, you have Mario 64, Mario Odyssey, uh, Mario Sunshine, stuff like that. You just have... You know, it's not linear. You have Sonic and you can run around to places really fast and use super speed to do jumps and stuff, but you're not limited to like a hallway type gameplay as you are in these other Sonic games. Like you have to use Sonic's abilities to like jump up into places, collect to collect power rings or whatever, um, you know, put an environment in there where he can he can interact with it and maybe talk with some NPCs and stuff like that kind of Sonic would be fun because that's what allowed Nintendo to successfully bring Mario up into the the 3D platformer world and then have him evolve beyond that. But there's a formula with see Sega's still they're they're so stuck in a style of gameplay. Like they, you know, ever since they joined with Atlas, they've kind of been stuck in that anime anime type thing. And I just don't think they put a lot of care into some of their older flagship properties while sonic does still have the favor of the people it's i think it's a foolish move to make a movie out of it because you don't want to make people sick of sonic or see him as like a stupid cheesy cartoon or computer animation movie before you're even able to successfully bring him into the modern era i agree with you wholeheartedly on that i just think it's not a wise move to do all this extraneous stuff when it comes to sonic the hedgehog and just focus on the particulars that could or are, are a safer bet on being a profitable entity and a profitable outcome as opposed to something like another comic book spinoff or a, a movie that could be hitting feature films that would probably leave a lot of bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, most likely. Now, it could be good. It could be, but I am not betting the, the house on it, that's for sure. Sonic Mania, I'm, I'm probably going to pick up. Uh, I've just got such a huge back catalog of games right now, but I'll I'll pick it up and I want to play it because I know that that was a kind of a newer iteration of Sonic, but still incorporating the old. But I'm hopeful that 
in the future we won't get something like sonic uh i forget what hold on let me look what the last one is called um sonic forces so i'm hoping we won't get something like sonic forces again but we'll get um something successful that will rate well and make people interested in sonic again otherwise you know in the same way that they're able to bring crash bandicoot back to life otherwise i don't see a future for everyone's favorite hedgehog yes this is true Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. We've got a lot of other things to talk about on today's show, including NASCAR old versus NASCAR new. But first, Spider-Man PS4, my friend, a new villain got announced this weekend at Comic-Con. What are your thoughts on Spider-Man PS4? I know you're really excited for it when it hits consoles this September. I've always been very fond of the Spider-Man games. I might be the only one. I know there's a lot of people like the original one on PlayStation who just kind of shooting webs around into nothing and swinging over a a manhattan where you couldn't go lower than like the maybe the fifth to last floor of a building or else you disappear into a into haze and and die and most of the levels always took place you'd have to swing to a rooftop crawl down an air vent and then you'd go into a cutscene or whatever and everything was pixelated i really like those games i have fond memories of them as a kid and uh I played most of the Spider-Mans going forward. I didn't play the the movie ones. I hear the second one was really good, but I uh, that, that was at a time where I was into other games. Uh, I had Xbox, and uh, I was more into hey, I wanted to play Halo more than I wanted to play Spider-Man. So there's that. Uh, Web of Shadows was a good one on I think that was Xbox 360, and that was like the first truly open world Spider-Man game that I had ever experienced. Like you could literally go anywhere. And so it, it's been a long time since a proper Spider-Man game has been made because I think after Web of Shadows, they had a bunch of a couple other Spider-Man games that were more linear and didn't really let you do the sandbox type gameplay. And it looks like this game is pretty sandbox and open and it explores the Spider-Man mythology and lets you kind of, from what I understand, it incorporates elements of the comic books that weren't explored previously. And I am... Um, I'm excited to play it. Like I think that I, I saw some of it at E3. Um, you, you know, you can check out the footage on the YouTube channel. But it it looks fun, and I like the combo system. I like the way that you can chain attacks together. Uh, and there, there's just there's so much about it. Like I want to know where the story takes place. But um, yeah, I'm excited to play it, man. Like I, I don't really have like a big running commentary on it, but I am pretty excited to play it. What about you? I think it's something that for me, as long as it remains interesting outside the central plot that you're trying to go through, I think that's going to be uh, something I want to get into. 
It's just, is the city going to be exciting? Because in the past, when it comes to Spider-Man open world games, the city itself, outside of what you're doing centrally to try and, and take care of, has been kind of lackluster at best. So, And I think that's a problem with a lot of open worlds, is what out there besides the central focus and the central narrative that you're trying to accomplish is interesting what you know i'm into world building i'm into looking at things on the side i'm like looking into going places that you wouldn't normally go to and this is what makes grand theft auto 5 really and the grand theft auto series for that matter really thrive is there's a lot of interesting things to do a lot of nuances a lot of things you need to dig deeper in that are not just go ahead and not just a part of the central uh narrative type feel so I'm hopeful that there will be a lot of things to do in Spider-Man PS4 because at least I'm going to give it a good shot when it comes out on PS4 in September and looking forward to getting a chance to try it out as the web slinger myself as well. So that's something definitely that's something that I know you and I will be looking forward to and hopefully it will pan out as something just other than just okay catching random bad guy a and catching random bad guy b i just i want to make sure that there's something that's really involving and that's really in depth in playing the web slayer from what i understand they put a lot of like just because of the development time of this one they put the story is supposed to be really uh elaborate and uh you know the not linear but it's it's supposed to, you know, it's probably. I'm, I'm imagining it's going to have some, be something close to like Assassin's Creed. How you have the main story, but there's also a bunch of other side stuff you could do if you wanted to. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that that's the case. And a lot of side stuff will be available to consumers and gamers when it comes out in September. Josh, I know you got a chance to review a couple of games that were sent out to you. Share us your thoughts on Darwin Theory and anything else that you've been playing out as far as a review that you want to share out as well. Okay, well, I played two games. I played The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. That was one I got on Xbox One. I didn't get too far into it. I'm actually still in the midst of it. I just got caught uh, playing some other games that came out like Far Cry and stuff like that. But uh, it kind of, it reminds me of Alan Wake. It's got a good narrative. It's intriguing. And the way that it, it takes place in two different worlds. So like you can kind of, you explore modern times and then you see a clue and then it puts you back into the past. So it's like you're chasing somebody through the past. It does get confusing because the time jumps uh, happen in certain places. So you can go through, for example, like there's a house, you can explore the whole house and at the end of the house, it takes you into a little time jumper portal and then you explore more of the house, like different things you couldn't get to before. And it almost becomes in a way like, like portal or what's that level in um the first halo multiplayer where you just go through the teleporters i can't remember what it's called but you just end up places that you don't want to be and it gets confusing and nauseating at some points but i like the idea of going around and finding clues and there's just there's a lot it's it's not linear it's not open world but there's a lot to explore still i agree with you that it is something that there is a lot to explore but is it something that people stay interested in? Because I played it uh, on the PS4 and I kind of liked it, but there was some instances, like you said, where if you don't do the right things in a certain fashion, in a certain form, in a certain sequence, 
then your end goal is not going to be met and you're going to be sitting there looking goofy, understanding why it didn't come to fruition. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like this is where I stand on. It's one of those games where it's fun to play if you have nothing to do. But if you have other games that like you're more interested in playing, it's one of those things where I'd much rather play those other games than, you know, play something like this. But uh, cause you know, I'm, I'm a huge, we've talked about this before. I'm a huge fan of Alan Wake. Like I loved Alan Wake. I loved the narrative that it told. I loved everything about it. So I was going into the vanishing of Ethan Carter, hoping that it would be something like that, but it's, it's not, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's its own unique thing. And they're trying to make a game like a novel, kind of like your a pick your own adventure type thing, but it's just, it's, it's fun, but it's tiresome at the same time. It does have that process, but it's still a fairly solid narrative as you go through it. But yeah, it's, it's, unless you do it in the right sequence in the right fashion, otherwise you're going to be a little bit lost from time to time. And it takes a, a little bit of trying to get yourself back on track and figuring out what to do, which I guess is part of that process. So I found it a pretty good game and I, it sounds like you are as well. Based on the webcomic by Sarumaru, FX Unit Yuki is now available on the PC Engine and TurboGrafx systems. With eight varying stages of hardcore 2D action, an awesome soundtrack, and intense boss battles, FX Unit Yuki gets the adrenaline pumping as you navigate through its multiple difficulties and endings. Check out Old School Retro at its finest today by ordering a CD-ROM copy of FX Unit Yuki for the PC Engine or Turbo Graphics today at fxunityuki.com. That's fxunityuki.com. What else you uh, been checking out lately as far as games that have been on your radar? Hold on. Before I get into the other one I reviewed, I have been playing Forza Motorsport 7, and I do have a couple of bones to pick. Your drive avatar is a huge pain in the butt, by the way. Oh, well, yeah. I could, I could imagine that. I've heard a lot of people have had that issue as well. Because it, it's, it's cool in the fact that it does record like the methods that your friends have when they drive, so you end up racing their drive avatars, and I like that. When you log back into your game, you get all the money you earned while competing in the races on your friends' games and stuff like that. So that's cool. But at the same time, like it's it's annoying, especially since the physics system in Forza is almost non-realistic because you can hit a car and do absolutely nothing to them unless you like nudge the backside or something, and that causes them to spin a little bit, and then they block you as you're trying to go forward. But uh, you can hit them and it'll do absolutely nothing but they barely hit you and it's like your car is rolling along a road and it flips over and you just get stuck and you can't do anything so like in the beginning of the race you have to be very careful trying to go through the pack to get to the front because if somebody hits you or you hit somebody else you're gonna you're gonna spin and you're gonna get stuck and if the cars are just as fast as you and oftentimes the the drive guitars actually are more skilled than you are despite maybe that not being true in real life so you get stuck in a race trying to catch somebody that you can't quite get to and it's it's annoying so most of the time like especially with like your drive guitar big dogs drive guitar brian kane's drive guitar like i've had points where you know you have this suggested driving line and you have to try to get get through them at, you, know, you have to break at a certain time like i'll just drive 
straight through the suggested driving line and the braking points, and I will just ram your guys' cars as hard as I can so that I can get back on the track and win, uh, beat the game. But thoughts on it is I don't like that. I don't like the physics system. The drive tires are cool, uh, except they're not sometimes. But it's totally worth the $60. Or, well, I spent 30 on it because I got it on sale, but it's totally worth the $60 it costs to play it because you go through, you play the... You play the career mode and they still have their rivals thing, but the career mode has enough content on it to give you probably a good 60, 70 hours of gameplay. And like when you finish the the initial careers, more races open up, allowing you to uh, score achievements and win more cars and allow you to be more competitive in things you wouldn't be competitive in otherwise. Other than that, I got some time with uh, the Darwin Project, which is a survival slash battle royale game. I made a list of points here about it. The things I liked, it's kind of it's a clever twist on the battle royale genre because not only are you competing or trying to stay alive while everyone else is trying to kill you, but you're fighting the elements too. So the screen, you're out in the cold or whatever and as you're if your guy starts to get too cold, it does that thing like in Breath of the Wild where you can feel him like losing health and then on this though, ice comes in on the edges of the screen. And you that's how you can tell if you're freezing to death. So like it almost like if you're not prepared and you don't know how to play the game, like you go in there and you see it starts to get cold. And all of a sudden in the corner of the screen, the right bottom right hand corner, you'll see a bunch of people names going like, oh, so and so died. So and so died. So and so died because you're fighting the elements just as much as you are fighting uh, each other. So it's, it's a clever twist on the battle royale genre. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the battle royale genre. I don't really play a lot of multiplayer games, but. This was actually, it's, it's pretty clever. And while you're fighting, you also have to win the the crowd too. So it's like a death race where you have a, t it's a TV show. So around you, you have this guy called the producers uh, in a little robot with a lens and he can decide to help you mid battle if you want to. So I'll, I'll get more to him in a second. But, you know, it feels, what well, it's kind of novel because it feels like you're playing a massive home alone game. So like you set traps uh, for, for people to win uh, if, you know, because they, they'll come into your fort or whatever. You set traps for them, whether it's like explosives, tripwire, turrets or whatever it is. You set traps in order to win. And then um, literally anything can be used as a weapon. So like I was killing people with a snow shovel just because like that was all I had. You know, I'd run out of arrows and then I would just bring out the snow shovel and just start hitting people with it in, in hopes that I would would survive. So if honestly, though, if this game did not have the animation style of like Overwatch, it would be incredibly violent. It is. It would just be disgustingly violent, and which is good that it's more cartoony. All right, so my next thing is you can use materials like furniture, trees, and miscellaneous items to craft weapons, armor, traps, etc. So you, it really, the game focuses, I would say this game is one part survival, one part like multiplayer, and then one part crafting. So it focuses really heavily on crafting. You don't walk around and just find weapons unless somebody else drops them, but you have to build everything. So there's like, random chairs and trees and, and garbage just laying all over the place and you have to craft your own armor you craft your weapons yeah it's it's really like it reminds me of tomb raider how like when you kill the animals like you have to craft them into like skins and uh gun pouches and stuff like that you have to do all of that in this game what i really liked about this game though is the idea of there's not really a hunter gatherer game like that's kind of what this is like you have what's that game on um PC, I think it's on consoles now too, but seven days to die where you have to go around, 
you're fighting zombies you find the uh the buildings and stuff and you have to set up traps and all that stuff so on the seventh day when the zombie invasion actually happens and uh you know the cool thing about this is that it's I don't know, just maybe in the animation style, but it's just it's it's fun to play and it looks less pixely like that game did. Uh, OK, let me I'm going to get into my dislikes here. It's another battle royale game. So I, I like, um, you know, it's fun. It's a clever twist It's very overwatchy. But at the same time, it's another battle royale game in a market that's feeling oversaturated. Uh, it does play sort of like Overwatch, which I don't know. That's a good thing or a bad thing. But um, there's just that to consider. Uh, so another dislike, you're not just trying to kill your opponents, you're all, you also have to please the director, so it's kind of like Gladiator, so you can be fighting somebody, and then mid-battle, the director's little robot guy can decide to heal the other person, and then that puts you at an extreme disadvantage, and he can just kill you right away, so it's, I don't like the random perks, like that is something, it, these games are hard enough, and you know, if you play them, and you're good enough at them, you almost don't need that, but if like, he decides to put a shield over you mid-battle, I kind of think that's unfair, but that, that just might be me mostly because he didn't help me at all. He always helped the other people. The game relies far too heavily on crafting for my preferences, but again, those are just my preferences. It's just busy. You know, it feels busy. There's so many elements in the game already. It feels busy having to craft your own weapons. So sort of. So, so if you had to give it a review or thoughts on uh, as a game overall, what would you be looking at? I mean, are we talking about score? Like, I would give it probably a, a solid 7 out of 10. Like, it has a lot of elements that I liked and has some stuff that I didn't like. So, uh, and, you know, and one one other thing that I wasn't a huge fan of was the idea that just any time during the battle, there's it triggers random manhunts, meaning, like, it could pop your name up there. So, say, like, Angel Arms 2 manhunt. So everyone will stop fighting each other and try to go after you for those bonus points. So that's another thing I wasn't really a huge fan of. But yeah, I would give it probably 7 out of 10. Uh, you can It launched early on Steam, early access, and Xbox game preview. Uh, I know there's no official release date yet, but... Um, it's, I, gone free to, it's gone free to play. Okay, all right. It is free to play. There, there's, It's supposed to have a PC official release date for sometime this summer. So I, they haven't mentioned anything about it yet, but it's definitely something worth keeping your eyes open for. Yeah, at first it was coming out with a full $50 to $60 retail, but unfortunately due to advance notice and sales overall and interest in the game, it went to a free-to-play platform that hopefully will be turning its fortunes around for the better. So nice to hear a solid review plan for it. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. With me, I've been checking out Omen Sight and Conan Exiles. Omen Sight is a nice little retro style third person game that will take you on a little bit of an RPG type quest as you try to go ahead and save the, I guess the the your your fellow compatriots from whatever dangers that are that are about. I like the fact that it was just basically a uh, just 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 a straight. Um, battling type format, just straight hack and slash with some RPG elements. 
nothing too extraneous, nothing too out of the ordinary. The narrative is okay. Just it gets into a little bit of mystical areas that I'm not sure exactly are, are enthralling, but at least it gets the point across. The art style is a little bit basic, but hey, it's a, it's an indie game that you're dealing with, and it's actually a downloadable game, so it's not exactly something that you're going to see high-end production from, but the voice acting is average at best, but overall, I would probably also give it a 7 out of 10, a 3.5 stars out of 5. It's something that if you really are looking to get something through easily, I think it's something that it might be worth looking into. You do add new features and do add new, uh, I guess, uh, you do add new maneuvers throughout the game as far as you get power-ups and things of that nature overall it, as you as you graduate your abilities and, and whatnot and you gain, gain more experience by killing off more enemies. So it's a basic upgrading level system and that works off pretty well. But some of the things that you get upgraded to or some of the things that are available to you as upgrades you don't really need and sometimes the basic stuff that you're allotted and the basic maneuvers and and attacks that you're given are work out just fine for for what you need to do in the game but yes like i said three and a half stars out of five for me i think it's something that if you're really into just a basic structured game that takes eight to ten hours to complete then i think this could be the game for you when it comes to conan exiles it's a completely different story I didn't enjoy my time in it. I didn't enjoy it very much at all. I think it's something that has a lot of promise with a deep adventurous game that wants doesn't it, it doesn't do a successful job as a single player a single player entity, but also doesn't do a complete job being that MMO immersion type atmosphere where you can you can get a lot of friends together or you can interact with a lot of people and and really come off to a nice adventure as well i think it tries hard to be both and doesn't succeed at either a lot of crafting a lot of uh, building is needed and if you're not really into that this is not going to be the game for you but the main drawback to conan exiles when it comes to you taking up the quest is the fact that there are so many technical glitches. I mean, it's not, it, it is beyond Bethesda annoying because I know a lot of people get annoyed by the Bethesda glitches and whatnot, but are still able to go ahead and progress through the game, whether it be an Elder Scrolls or a Fallout series. This game has a lot of issues, technically speaking. And I think that unless they go ahead and take the steps to eradicate a lot of them, it's going to hamper gameplay for a lot of people. I know it did for me, even with all the little nuances that they tried to throw in to make differentiate it from other games of its ilk. It's still not the adventure that I was hoping for. And I'm going to give this a four out of 10 at this point in time, because I really think it's a game that has a lot of promise, but unfortunately not a lot of it pays off. I heard that it takes forever to start too. Like yes. I heard that like you you go out and you do your hunter gathering thing and like you can't like in in a Bethesda game like you would be able to say like you killed somebody you would you would be able to like steal their things and use them but in this one like i hear that you can't like you have to go out and literally gather your own material same thing when you find a bed like you're in someone's bed you kill them not bed you're not in their bed but like when you're in their house or hut or whatever and you kill them you can't use their bed and everything that you do has to be done by sundown because you can't you literally can't see anything it gets off to a really, really bad start. 
where you literally have nothing at your realm to go ahead and fend off any type of battle except for your bare hands. And while that's fun in some games, you're able to go ahead and progress quickly. This one takes a long time before you get anything as far as a way of defense or way of uh, going ahead and, and a weapon system or anything that you could build or gain any type of, of materials for. So it, it's just really problematic that it gets off to such a slow start. It will lose a lot of players between that and the technical glitches that are abound in this game. I mean, what is the, we don't really know what the greater narrative looks like, right? So it's, it's is there a story or is it really just a survival game? That's the thing. It does have a narrative that once you try to go through it, it's okay. It's, it's not bad, but it's, it is more of a survival game, but it also tries to get you involved with an MMO and it tries to do all these things. It's a jack of all trades and a master of none, which unfortunately makes it an uninteresting game overall even when you try to follow the narrative, because it's just not something that a lot of people would be able to stick with. There's so many other games out, out there that are better polished, that are more enthralling, that are more interesting, and they're, they're actually capture the gamer's attention a lot better than this one. You have to have a lot of patience to play Conan Exiles. I don't think a lot of gamers do at this point in time, because there is so much more to choose from. That's a look at some of the the games that we've been playing as far as reviews are concerned. If you got any thoughts on some of these games, hey, share it with us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Josh... I know there's some things that you want to talk about when it comes to what you spoke to the individuals at 704 Games at E3 2018 when it comes to their latest version of the NASCAR Heat Series. So tell me, my friend, I got a chance to play the NASCAR Heat Series from yesteryear, meaning last year. What's going to be different this time around when it comes to NASCAR Heat 3? Okay, well, first I wanted to ask you, is... Tell me your thoughts on last year's game. I know that you wrote a review on it. You got you got more so you got the review code and I I saw them play it when we were at E3, but you were the one that really got into it. You got your hands on it and you got to sit down for multiple hours to play this game. What were your initial thoughts going? And let me ask you this, as going into it, were you a NASCAR video game fan? I was. Uh, I am a racing fan as far as the whole genre is concerned. I, I do, depending on the title, have a great interest in racing titles. I'm a NASCAR fan going back as far as the series itself, going back to the 70s, if that gives you any idea of when I, when I was a seven and eight years old, checking out the Daytona 500 and wanting to recreate that experience in a video game platform without having to spend the abundance amount that you do with iRacing. iRacing can get you that type of experience as far as the simulation is concerned, but it is so expensive to, to continually put out more dollars and more dollars for tracks, parts, paint jobs, the whole nine yards. In this case, I wanted something that would be a great experience 
but within a cost-effective realm. And when I got my hands on last year's version of NASCAR Heat, NASCAR Heat 2, I thought hopefully this was going to be the case. I thought it was an okay experience, um, but it left a little bit of a incomplete taste in my mouth because I thought the experience itself was shallow. I thought the actual um, campaign where you actually had to go through a race by race, I just didn't think I didn't think it was compelling enough to go ahead through as a single player. And when it came to multiplayer, that aspect, I just didn't see an environment as far as uh, them getting involved much with the game. The, uh, meaning 704 Studios themselves, and being able to get involved with the game from an, uh, a multiplayer aspect. They just, it seems like they just put the modes out there, they just put the races out there themselves, and just said, here, go at it, where there was just a lot of 10 to 12 cars just trying to crash each other and trying to spin each other out instead of actual real fundamental racing that gets people going. I just found a lot of things that were pretty good about it, but nothing really outstanding as far as making it a wow-type experience. I guess my question to you, not, not question, but my next point of thought would be, what? tell me about the career, because I'm trying to look at what he was, um, you know, what Ren Vickers was talking to us about at E3 versus what you saw in last year's game. Was the career, how was the career was it, uh, you know, was it a very linear career, you know, where you do the the, the races, you and it checks off boxes or whatever, or was there more to it? No, it was pretty, pretty much straightforward. And as someone who enjoys the experience of playing a career mode on other games, such as, well, you know, there's Madden out there, but for me, it's been the WWE series and also the NBA 2K series that, depending on the version, have been really made very well. In this case, I just don't think enough attention was paid to it because it was very, like you said, check off the box, do this, you need to do that, here comes a sponsor, here comes this, here comes that, very basic, very generic, and it doesn't get you excited or motivated to complete the next race or to complete the next season in regards to the single player campaign is concerned. Okay, and last question here, how, how is the multiplayer? Well, the multiplayer, as I, I explained, was all right, but it just seemed like there was no love or attention to detail given to it. There was some races that were put out there. You could also create your own scenario and as far as number laps and whatnot, but it didn't do really anything as far as 704 Studios to create a community that is going to get together and race 20, 30, 40 cars deep or do something that's going to generate a lot of enthusiasm as far as the actual race themselves or make challenges that are going to be interesting or go after. And just did not seem to me that 704 Studios put something out there that was nothing more than an average online experience. They seemed like they just want to do the basics and nothing more. You know, when, when we talked to them, they were, I guess, like a big achievement for them was the 40 car multiplayer. Like they were super proud of that and how they could get all the cars on the screen without lag and all that. And that's something I've been wanting for all, pretty much all my life when it comes to racing games as far as that experience of being with 39 other live drivers. And at this point in time, the only other way to get that was through iRacing. I remember I've asked not only 704 Studios, but other studios that have handled racing games when I've gone to E3 and asked them the same thing. Can I get all 40 cars? No. Can I get all 40 cars? No. Can I get 43 cars? No. You, you just couldn't get that kind of yes from them. And it seemed like the technology was there. It's just committing to it. So it's nice to hear that that's going to be different. 
But even in like the older NASCAR games, NASCAR Heat, NASCAR Thunder, whatever your poison was back then, like the even in the the regular racing, you still couldn't get more than like twenty cars on the screen. So that was always something. And those games never, I don't, I don't think they ever had multiplayer. At least not when I was into them. Okay, so I did get, I got some hands-on time at E3 with NASCAR Heat Three. Yeah, I I liked it. I thought that it felt it felt good. I like the the way that the the draft system on it works. How you can get when you get behind a car, your controller vibrates to let you know you're in the draft of that car, and then when you get close enough, you can slingshot yourself around it. What I wasn't aware of was that these games have such a huge following. Like I put the video up on YouTube, and I'm getting questions about the the physics, the the engine sounds, and stuff like that, and it all sounded pretty good to me, but I don't know what it's being compared to. So, you know, like I said, you got to play the the last one. So in your opinion, in the last one, how was the how were the engine sounds? How were the racing physics and all of that? The racing physics, I still think need a lot of work. I, I wasn't in love with the, the actual car, the physical car looks themselves 100%. I still think they need to do a better job in that compared to like even the Forza games as as you're so familiar with. When it comes to the physics themselves, there were still times where it wasn't reacting to what I wanted to, or even when you bump cars or I get bumped, little things that were just bringing you out of the experience. That was a, that was a part of the problem with me and, and uh, I think a lot of other people that were trying to race it as well. And as far as the tweaking in and getting into the, uh, this, uh, as far as what you need to go ahead and, and keep up on in order to keep your car running at a top speed, I think the involvement with that wasn't as where I wanted to be. And I think the intricacies of that needed to be expounded upon. But overall, I think the, the game issues, I think, lie more into the overall structure on a broader scale than, than going into little bit-by-bit details. And the sound itself, I didn't think was that bad. I, I just thought it's a little bit canned, but I'm more than willing to go ahead and sacrifice a little bit of sound quality in order to get that 40 car multiplayer experience. Right, right. Yeah, I, I just like I there there's such attention to detail, so I feel like 704 Games really has the work cut out for them. So here's some of the things that uh, they were talking to me about in the booth. So they added a competitive tournament style features and leaderboards was were there any leaderboards in the last one between like you see your friends or people online, anything like that? A little bit, but nothing to any great extent. So I think, you know, with as many people who like to play this game, I think it might be cool. Kind of like a uh, ready player one scenario. You know, you see your friends popping up on the boards and you just want to outdo their scores, except you don't win like a golden egg or something. But uh, so he they were saying that they added a dirt mode into career. And I'm not sure it's playable in arcade mode. I would assume, uh, assume that it is. But. I got my, I got some hands-on time with it, and it's fun, man. Like it reminds me of if you remember NASCAR Thunder, the last year they did that. I think I want to say it was two thousand two, but like you could do, they had the Daytona track, the old one, where you had it was half on the beach, half on the road. It kind of felt like that, you know. And it kind of it changes the paradigm of the game because you're not worried about just going around the track. You're worried about keeping the tires still and keeping on a straight path towards where you need to go and there's always like you take your you the can you take your hands off the controller you hit something you're gonna spin so it's more it takes a lot of concentration to get these uh through these races and i think that kind of breaks up the monotony of just going in circles over and over again but they added eight different dirt tracks uh it's a whole season of dirt racing so like you go from the dirt racing to the different nascar series that they have available in the game that's how you play through your career so it leads into the nascar series 
some fantasy tracks are things that they made up or things that they added dirt onto. Uh, they have real world dirt tracks and also a hybrid track. So half asphalt, half, half dirt. So that was kind of like the, uh, you know, the Daytona thing we were talking about career mode. I don't know if this was always like that with the last one. What were the custom customization options on your car in last year's career mode? In last year's career mode, the customization op options were were pretty good in it. Uh, that's something I could uh, say was was fairly complex in the type of detailing you could do to the vehicle. Is it comparative to iRacing? No. But then again, you're comparing almost apples to oranges because of the fact that you're paying so much more of a considerable amount with the iRacing experience and opposed, as opposed to a just a standard $60 console game. So, But for what you pay for, the customization options and what you could do to create a vehicle to your liking and also create a vehicle that can compete with others is, is there, was there, and it's just nice to see, even if you just put, put a standard type of setting it still was, was something that you would not get run off the road by and you could actually still compete with everybody else yeah so he, he was talking about the, the career mode and how like because I, I remember in games like gran turismo you can kind of tweak everything the gear ratios tire pressure stuff like that and he was saying that you know you, you this stuff is accessible only once the stability is turned off and then um what we did get some time with was also the practice mode so you can tweak certain aspects of the car and you go out on practice mode and you can see how it's working out for you. And then if you like it, you can just jump right into the race. If not, you can go back to the menu and keep working on it. And one thing I think is cool about you know what he was talking about was that they've kind of put a lot of work into the new career mode. So once you've earned enough money, you can purchase a team, you can upgrade your pit crew. Basically, you purchase you know management, members of, of your team, like you, you sign on for all this different stuff and that. I guess gives you different perks for your car, your racing team, as far as how fast your car is in and out of the pits and all of that stuff. So that's that's pretty cool in my book. I guess like I, you know, I want to ask you, um, I want to get my hands on this game because I really want to play it. But what do you think that NASCAR has, if they were to make it into like a legitimate racing simulator, do you think that that would be of of any interest to people? I think they should go ahead and look into purchasing the iRacing format. And when you get a chance, check out iRacing.com, or at least a lot of the videos that some of the streamers do off of it, because that is a hardcore simulation experience. If they can somehow try and take the best of that series, and that's available, and minimize the cost or create it within one basic structure, then you're really doing something there that a lot of people would be interested in, not only if you're a NASCAR fan, but an IndyCar or whatever series is that iRacing does emulate from go-karts on up. And I'm not trying to sound like an iRacing fan per se, but I've enjoyed it for over the past two, three years that I've been watching it off and on. And outside of the cost issues, I think it's something that really is the closest thing I've seen to a effective and realistic driving simulator that exceeds anything that NASCAR Heat or Project Cars Forza or or any other driving simulation can do because of the fact that they're bound by a basic cost as opposed to what iRacing could do is as far as adding on price and price to price if you want to buy a certain amount of tracks you want to buy a certain type of vehicles and then you compete on it that with other players that in such a a realistic system where not only are you penalized a lot if you go ahead and try to do outlandish things like what you can do in some of these other games, 
there are real checks and balances in place and there are real punishments available if you go ahead and deviate from what you're supposed to be doing in these races. So I would like to see these games emulate more of what they do in iRacing. I know Gran Turismo tried to do it and didn't come off quite as well, but I'm serious. When it comes to the uh, iRacing format, it's really something a lot of these other car game makers should really try to emulate. Well, see, with NASCAR, though, you're already stuck to a certain certain types of rules and regulations, but I think it might be fun to have some kind of, on a single, not single player, but some kind of uh, character campaign, kind of like what Madden does, where you can, you have your driver and like you, you're a lot, like you see, you have little stories with the driver, but like the game obviously is all going to take place on the track, but like you see kind of, you're more invested because you've, you see like a humanized version of the game. Not that like this wasn't fun. Like I really enjoyed the time I got with NASCAR and they are super secretive about like what was going out. I wasn't even allowed to talk to it, talk about it until July 12th. But yeah, I just want to say like it, it looks fun. And for those of you who are asking us questions on YouTube, uh, yeah, I, I can't answer a lot of them because I don't know, but I would definitely say like, it looks better to me. It looks better than last year's entry. And it's something I'm definitely looking forward to playing. And as soon as I get the, uh, as soon as I get a copy of it, I'll be putting some footage up so you can stay tuned for that. But uh, the game is out September 7th on Xbox one and PlayStation four. As of right now, there's no plans for a Nintendo switch version, but Hey, Nintendo fans like NASCAR too. So who knows what we might be seeing in the future. That's good to hear that it's going to be a significant upgrade above what last year's version was. Last year's version was all right, but I saw uh, but I saw a lot of room for improvement and it looks like it, with this year's version, NASCAR Heat 3, that's going to be the case. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Well, to close out the show, my friend, we're going to talk a little bit right now about Neil Blomkamp. You know him as the director of District 9, of Chappie, and so many other great movies out there. He obviously has a fixation on the mech world and the mech universe because he is interested in looking to get made or direct a video game in the mech world and the mech genre as well. So I want to ask your thoughts. Do you think that Neil Blomkamp can pull something like this off as a film director that comes into a new medium and create an effective and, more importantly, a decent-selling mech video game that, uh, you know, something that we didn't expect he would be doing in the first place? I think that he has a mind for a, for a story for a good mech game. But, you know, as we've seen in the past, mech games are a different genre you know you have to kind of there's i don't think there's really been anyone that successfully brought all the elements together like chrome hounds was good uh armored core is pretty popular i know uh i think what atlas makes armored core sega atlas if i remember yeah i mean people like the the customization options and obviously like with world of tanks doing so well there is a demand for that type of game but 
yeah i just i if he can successfully combine story and uh and gameplay and then be able to deliver it in a fashion different from titanfall as far as like something compelling enough to keep gamers going back to it then i'm all open for it but i just he doesn't have any experience in the gaming genre so i would have to not gaming genre but gaming in general so i would have to have confidence in the developers that he goes to to make this game and at the same time is this a for sure thing or is this just a dream of his he has been reaching out on Twitter and social media to ask how he can get this done. So I think it's something that he wants to do. Whether or not it comes to fruition is another story, but there's nothing been signed as of yet. But I know it's something of great interest to him. And he's reached out, like I said, on social media to see if he can get this started and underway. And seeing him create a story within the mech universe once again actually would be kind of interesting because he's done a lot of great things so far for that genre so i'm i would be excited to see him doing something within that and if i was a publisher or development studio i would probably be reaching out to him at some point in the near future to talk and see if he's interested in working with them on a great mech game yeah yeah it's i'm i'm all i'm, I'm down to to uh you know, give him the benefit of the doubt here. He, I, he's he's a very he's a talented writer, and he he could make. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he could have a script similar to something Kojima would make. But again, you know, I have to see who else is involved in this collaboration. And if you're, because video games, as we've learned in the past, can't rely just on story. Everything has to be balanced perfectly to make it something worthy of people's time. Uh, this is all too true, my friend. This is all too true. What are your thoughts out there on everything that we've talked about? Our reviews, our thoughts on Spider-Man, a possible mech game from Neil Blomkamp, the NASCAR versus NASCAR, last year versus what's coming out very soon, our talk on Sonic the Hedgehog. Do you really want to see his universe expanded even more? What are your thoughts on that? Just let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com pop culture cosmos humanity media and game source that's right i say game source on facebook and twitter as well and make sure you keep up to date on the, everything going on in the video gaming world by checking out our facebook page game source where every day we post the latest video game news right to there so you, you can just stay in the know with everything going on in the gaming scene so josh on this revival of the game source podcast any last thoughts on the way out my friend no but i mean like we might be bringing back some more game stuff here because i got a just ordered project octopath and kingdom hearts and i got a back catalog right now consisting of wolfenstein 2 doom last of us part 2 and something else that i can't see from here so uh yeah we might have some video games to talk about in the future so anything's possible you know Absolutely. And it's great to be back in the saddle once again for this Game Source podcast. Hopefully, you'll be hearing us and bring out more Game Source episodes in the future, along with all the stuff going on with Humanic Media and Topic Ocalypse, and of course, everything else at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to thank everybody again. No cheesy byline going out. So, we just truly appreciate you listening to the show. And once again, this is the Game Source podcast. Josh Peterson and myself, Gerald Glassford, thanking you for listening. This is the Game Source Podcast.